Welcome to VidFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about VidFriends Podcast, you can visit us at www.vidfriends.org. You can also call me at 1-844-374-3639, extension 4. You can also email me at llnlpodcast at gmail.com. BitFriends Podcast is sponsored by my Vitiligo team. Welcome to Living Life in Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So on today's show, I have a very special guest. Welcome, Beverly Quinn. How are you? I'm good, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. Long day at work, but I'm here. We're going to have this conversation and then um, be able to relax. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Before we get started with our conversation, I would like for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Maybe tell us where you're from and anything else you'd like to share. Then we'll get into our conversation. All right. Um, Well, my name is Beverly Quinn, and I'm actually from eastern North Carolina, but I've lived up here in the Raleigh area for a little over 20 years. I've been married for 25 years, and we have two sons. And I'm a dental hygienist, and I've been in dentistry for about 25 years as well. Wow, awesome, awesome. Now, do me one favor. Repeat where you're from again. It's called Richlands, North Carolina. Richlands, North Carolina. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen it, but I'm sure I passed it somewhere. You blink, you're through it. It's a literally <laughs> one stoplight, and you're through it. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. So for our community that are listening, um, you have vitiligo, just like I have vitiligo. So that's our that's going to be our discussion. But I think um, your story is a little unique. It is different um, than what we normally hear in regards to vitiligo. Um, however, it's still the same. I always tell people when you go to the dermatologist or doctor and they say, hey, you have vitiligo. Guess what? You have vitiligo. So they don't always know how it developed, mm-hmm. why it develops. But it, to me, that's one of the mysteries of our condition. You know, we still don't know, even after all these years, it's still trying to figure out, well, we don't know. We think it's hereditary. We think it's trauma-induced. We think it's this. We think it's that. One day, they'll know for sure. Right. When we get funding to find that out. So exactly. hopefully, hopefully Congress. What did you just say? I said, hopefully soon. Hopefully they'll yes. pass. Absolutely. We can't wait another 30 years to find out. Oh, yeah, we now know it started because uh, we don't want that. Nah, we need answers now. (laughs) Absolutely. So, Bev, uh, is it okay if I call you Bev? I prefer Bev, actually. Okay, okay, Bev. Let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So, when did your vitiligo start? Like, When I think back on it, I had this very small patch that I remember I was a child, probably fourth, fifth grade year. Um, it started on my groin and right around the, the hair region. Um, I knew it wasn't a birthmark because clearly I was old enough to remember it was not always there. Uh, we grew up very, very poor. So we did not go to the doctor for everything. Right. Um, so my mom just kind of dismissed it, thought it was kind of like a growing puberty kind of randomness that had happened. And it never changed. Like it was just one little spot, probably the size of a nickel. And it was irregular in shape, but it was that stark vitiligo white. Um, And that was that. And so we just kind of contributed to a growing thing of some sort. Um, And that was that. And I would say fast forward to 
after the birth of my first son is when it popped out on my hands and feet. And I knew that this was not normal. I had coworkers who actually brought it to my attention. I kind of dismissed it actually. And I had a coworker who said, you need to have this check. This is not normal and we don't know what this is, but you need to look into this. And so it prompted me to go to the dermatologist and that's when they gave me the diagnosis that you have vitiligo. And same thing, they had no answers. They said it was probably trauma and stress induced from having my son because it seemed to make an appearance. He was a February baby. Um, and then of course I tan very easily in the summer. So I didn't notice it until that early spring, midsummer, um, when I could see a differentiation in the rest of my skin versus those spots. Right, right. But it, my story is kind of complicated. I thought that that's what started it. But then I got really, really sick and had some health problems from my breast implants. And then once I made that connection and connected the dots, I thought back and I remembered right after my surgery at my post-op, I went to the doctor and the scars from my incisions were stark white. And I knew, and that was before I had the implants, I got the implants eight months before I got pregnant with my son. So. So knowing what I know now, the pregnancy probably, you know, exasperated the condition, right. made right. it worse. But I look back on it and I'm like, no, I think putting those foreign objects in me stirred up my immuno uh, or the uh, autoimmune disease. Right. Absolutely. Hey, you know, something you said, I had a discussion um, last year sometime about the different types of vitiligo. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in our community, and it's not everybody, but there are some people that think vitiligo is only on the face. Right. And it only starts on the face. No, a lot of us, it starts on the hand. Mm -hmm. However, you can have it in the groin area. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to say my niece, um, she has vitiligo also. Okay. And that's where hers started. And her dermatologist wanted to see somebody else in the family, if anybody that has vitiligo, and that was me. And it's like, oh, yeah. Um, so it's one of those things. It's a, it's a real thing. Um, Dr. Huang has been on the podcast and he's talked about it, having, you know, vitiligo in the groin area, which is called mucosal vitiligo. Okay. Um, some of the people in the community, I, I know it's hard to talk about for some people, you know, it's mm -hmm. embarrassing, but for most of us, if you have vitiligo on your face, you have it everywhere else too. You know, it yeah. doesn't shy away from it and say, no, I can't be there. It can be everywhere and anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of sound like that movie where everywhere, anywhere, all at once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that's how vitiligo is. Um yep. and as you share, you know, having the implants, a lot of times we don't think about the surgeries we get um or mm -hmm. the impacts. Let's say if you're playing a sport and you get an impact, right. um, how it can jar something in your system. And I always say, I think my just my personal opinion. I feel like vitiligo is this gene that lies within us and it waits and waits and waits. And then for some people, something triggers it and here it is. Because yep. it's so random. Um, I, I think the mindset years ago that we would think, oh, it's only happened in Black people. And then you find, oh, it's happening in people in other countries and white mm -hmm. and Asian. So, yeah, it can happen in anybody. So it's not something that's specific to one uh, ethnicity or culture it's right. people you know yep. and animals but we're talking about people <laughs> um yeah we'll get to animals and that'll be another discussion i have to put uh have a veterinarian on <laughs> so 
let me ask you this in seeing the changes you know when it when you first saw it what were your thoughts though although you knew you had it before but seeing the drastic change with the hands and feet and everywhere else it was hard you know at this point i was in my mid-20s being a female um you know you care about your looks of course um call me vain but i I did and it it bothered me um i didn't like it but at that point it was hands and feet um and a couple other areas that my clothes could hide like you know on my chest bone and my hip bone and just some random the bonier places my doctor even said that that tends to be where it really likes to target is you know where the skin is real thin over the bone areas means um and so it just kind of little patches but in the beginning it was okay but then as it started to spread and the fact that there was no controlling it and i tried the topical creams and i tried everything that they had recommended other than the uv light um that sounded like it was going to be too intense and expensive and very time consuming with not very promising results and so i chose not to try that um and it it did bother me as it started to spread and i became extremely self-conscious of it um especially in my career i'm a hygienist and You know, when you're washing your hands and you're gloving up, people look. And you can tell, even though some people don't say it, their body language speaks volumes. And I could tell by the look on some people's face, especially if I didn't know them and it was my first time treating them. And they have that look like, is that contagious? She's got right, right. You know, what's going on here? And then some people would ask, they weren't rude in how they asked, but I think it was a self serving question of, oh, what happened to your hands? You know, did you burn yourself? And, different things like that. And then people who I saw continuously for years and years and years who I developed a a true friendship with, you know, they very intriguingly and caringly asked, you know, what happened to you? And I would share, you know, what happened and what I knew about it thus far, you know, and I've, of course, continued to learn more and more each year, especially with my personal story. Um, But I was fortunate enough to meet some people. I had some patients who had me to let go. Um, and I would talk to them, but unfortunately, it was only a few people, and they didn't know much about it either. And one of them was adopted, so they, he had no idea about his family line okay. or any questions or anything. But I had another patient and her mother, who was probably in her 60s at that time, she had it. And I was talking to her about it and how, self, how self-conscious I was. And she said, Bev, you really can't you know, live your life based on that. She goes, my mom has it. She goes, and it's really starting to spread to her face and getting really drastically worse. She said, in yours, you really can't tell, except like in the summertime, like when you're tan and it's your hands mostly and your feet that you can't even see because it's covered. She goes, live your life. She goes, it could be way worse. Absolutely. And for years and years and years, it bothered me. But then I started, I guess you mature and you look at life differently and I started to realize there are worse things, you know, at least I, I can use my arms. I can use my limbs. I don't have, you know, stage four cancer and I'm fighting for my life. You know, I have a healthy family. I have a job. I have lots of things to be thankful for. Um, So over the years I have finally changed my mindset, but it did take a while. Yeah. um, Something you said that stuck with me. I'm thinking about the kids I serve at school. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about putting your gloves on after you wash your hands, mm-hmm. if you don't work in a service industry or an industry where you have to wear gloves, you don't understand. When you put those rubber gloves on, it enhances your vitiligo. I even look at it like, mm-hmm. wow, what the heck is that? <laughs> but that's my skin, you know. 
it, it's something about, you know, I've had kids look at me like when they get a, a cut of scratch or something and I got to help them out and put on my gloves and they look at me like, uh, What's going why on? do your hands look like that? I'm like, well, you saw my hands without the gloves. It's just, I put on gloves, and, but it's something about that glove enhances the way the vitiligo looks. And it's not always pretty. I'm just right. going to be honest. It's not always pretty looking. Um, but then, you know, you talk about um, servicing people and helping people. Mm-hmm. There are some people that are still fearful because they don't mm-hmm. understand it. They don't know what it is. And, you know, and I, I hate the fact that we have to constantly remind people it's not contagious. You're not going to catch it. I've already right. touched you. You're okay. You know, exactly. um, and it's the constant reminders that we have to give to others, but it's also a reminder for ourselves that, you know, we live in a world that says everybody has to look perfect and be perfect. And you look at yourself, you're like, no, I'm not perfect. But like the lady told you, you have to live your life. Exactly. Right. And that's one of the things I really try to encourage our community members and even people I encounter, you got to live, you know, I had the same struggles. Mine started about age 26 or so. Mm-hmm. I was okay for the first maybe a year because it didn't spread much. Mm-hmm. But then as it started to spread, um, and on my face, it didn't spread much. It's still around okay. the corners of my mouth and one spot okay. on my neck. Mm-hmm. But everywhere else, it's like spotted. Right. So I had those insecurities of, you know, summertime. I want to wear shorts. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to see my legs. I don't want to wear sandals, anything that shows my feet because my feet are ugly. You know, all these things you go oh, through. Yeah. Then I'm yep. like, it's hot outside. I want to wear a long sleeve shirt, but it's too hot for that. Right. So now people are going to see my inside of my arms, the elbows, the armpits. And, you know, if I wear, it depends on what type of shirt I wear. You know, all these things we go through yes. that somebody without vitiligo doesn't have to worry about. Exactly. But let's be real. Even without vitiligo, people still have those insecurities about themselves you know absolutely ours become enhanced i mean really yeah, if really i does. felt awkward before i really feel awkward now because my vitiligo says hey now look at me no no other choice i go out in the public you have to look yep. oh absolutely yep. <laughs> yep. absolutely um you've been in your career for a while and i know you mm-hmm. talked about the interaction with your customers but has it ever interfered with what you had to do at any point, did you ever second guess yourself with your job because of how your skin looked? Not necessarily the reaction from the patients, but just from you in general. No, honestly, my my job never was compromised. Um, right. I started in dentistry from the time I was 19. Okay. And I was diagnosed at age 26. So dentistry was all I ever knew. So I was not going to choose a different career path because right. of it. Um, it was just something I internally had to battle, but definitely did not interfere with what I was going to do treatment wise. Awesome. And and you said something that's important. You said internal battle. That's what we all go through. Mm -hmm. It is an internal fight with ourselves Yes. because you want to, you want to be what we consider normal. Yes. You want to go out into the public and blend in with everybody else. But vitiligo says otherwise it says, Hey, Yep. Oh, get your money out, get your wallet out. Guess what? Look at my hands, you know, look at my arms. Yep. And it and I struggled with it until 2019. I think that's when we first met at yes, our first yes. meeting. Mm-hmm. I had just come to grips with my vitiligo. I said, okay, it's been too long. I have to live my life. Um, I have to get out there and do things I want to do, be around other people. 
I didn't realize it was such a large community of people with vitiligo mm-hmm. because at that time I only knew one or two other people with it. And it, even then I didn't really didn't know a lot about vitiligo. Right. Um, going to my dermatologist, it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's what you have. Okay. Here's a pamphlet. Here's the prescription. All right. Bye. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, well, can you tell me anything else? You, can't, exactly. you know, back then yeah. I'm not going to try to be funny, but back then, you know, when we did our physicals, like, there was nothing. It was just like he sat across the room. I guess he was afraid. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was thinking that like maybe it is contagious because he sat across the room. You know, he didn't look at my lymph noise, nothing. He was just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's what you have. And, you know, sent me on my way. I paid my little money. And I'm like, wow, what do I do with that information? Yes. And I think so many people go through that until you get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, when you went to your dermatologist the first time, did you get a second opinion or that was it? That was it. Um, I went, they told me what it was. And like I said, it was on my hands and feet and a couple other spots, but it, it, it was kind of like you, it was mild in the beginning. And then right. past that first year, it just kind of spread and it just kept spreading slowly every single year afterward. Right. Um, and the more areas it covered is when it really started to kind of bother me more. I already had the diagnosis, so I didn't go back to the doctor to find out more about it because at that first initial appointment, they told me there really wasn't much to do. Right, right. So it's like, why bother wasting my money and time going when there's nothing that was going to resolve from it? Right. I went, I got a second opinion. I went to Kaiser when it was here. Okay. Um, and the doctor walked in and uh, I guess he was kind of a young guy. He walked in and shook my hand. That was the first thing. You're like, wow, he actually touched me. He shook my hand, you know, introduced himself. And he said, um, how's your self-esteem? At the time, I was actually okay because it wasn't spreading as much. I was still, you know, kind of, yeah, I'm good, but, you know. Right. And he, he said, I'll be right back. And I was like, oh, here we go again. I've heard this one before. He's going to come back, give me the pamphlet. Send you on your way. Go on my way. But he came back and he talked to me. He said, um, I asked you about your self-esteem. He said, because this is what vitiligo is. He gave him the scientific name. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay. Right. Then he said, it's called vitiligo. Okay. But he talked to me. He asked me about my self-esteem. He said, because it may spread, it may not spread. Mm-hmm. You may repigment, you may not. He said, I'm not going to give you the cream because it's probably not going to work for you. Okay. If it's on your face, they, they will do it. They said, you know, the cream takes to the face very well. And, it you know, mm-hmm. you get a better response from it. For anywhere else in the body, it's it's a struggle. Right. Opsalora right now, it may be the best bet, but it's still safe for the hands and feet. It really doesn't do much for you. Right. So talking to him when I left, I felt so much better about vitiligo. Right. Until it started spreading. <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I left out feeling good, but then years later it started spreading and I'm like, oh crap. It is the thing you. is, not to say we're vain people, but everybody likes to look nice. Yes. And you we be- Right. And you look in that mirror and you're going, I'm changing. Yes. And if you I'm, judge yourself, you know, other people are judging you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or at least that's um, how I feel, even though they may not. That's how I feel. That's how you feel. Right. But, but let's talk about it a little bit, you know, not work life, but just social life. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when you were diagnosed, you were mm-hmm. married or not? I was already married. You mm-hmm. are already married. Um, was there an impact there? How did your husband receive it? Um, 
oh, what kind of support did he provide for you? He's been very supportive. Um, you know, we, we've known each other since the sixth grade. We started oh, wow. dating in high school, got married when I was 19. So he has known me and loved me at my very best. And he always said that this is, it's nothing, you know, don't worry about this. Right. Um, so he was always very supportive and he never judged me for it. I was my, my biggest judge. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's what's important because we do judge ourselves a lot. Yes. And I, I had an issue with, um, when I was married and divorced and trying to date again, somebody mm-hmm. telling me, oh, it doesn't bother me. Of course it doesn't bother you. You're not living with it. <laughs> like, right. I'm the one living with it. You know, you're fine. You go out there. And, and I was dating somebody after divorce. And like, she would get attention for a different reason. Right. And people were looking at me like, what's wrong with his hands? What's wrong with his legs? Because I tried to wear shorts. But I was like, nope, I can't do mm-hmm. it. Because too many stares, too many whispers. Too right. I could, it, it was... And I often tell people, they don't realize when you whisper about somebody with vitiligo, we hear that. And and it's like us wearing armor and it weighs us down because we hear all those little, we hear that. That's loud, you know? It is. I'll never forget. um, Gosh, I was probably late twenties and my work took us to Wilmington for a continuing ed course. And it was a whole weekend at Wilmington. So of course we had the part of the time we were in classes, but the other time we were beach and poolside. Right. you know, and I was in my 20s doing good shape. So I was wearing a bikini and I remember going to the mall and I went to the jewelry or um, the makeup center. And I'm like, I need to hide this because now not only was it my hands and feet that were going to be exposed, but now my coworkers are going to see a whole different part of me. That right. And so I had other spots I was really self-conscious about. I mean, my belly button was stark white and the area yep. perimeter around it the spot on my chest. I mean, other areas that in a bikini is very, very obvious. Right. So I went and they really didn't have that great of makeup back then for this kind of thing. And she did the best she could, but what happens? You get in the pool and it all comes off and then it's starting to kind of smear. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, <laughs> right. <I'm in." laughs> yeah. yeah. Those are the parts of vitiligo, the experiences that we don't talk about a lot in the community. Mm-hmm. I, I think because one, it is embarrassing. Um, and we try to pretend it doesn't happen, but yeah, when you develop your spots, vitiligo doesn't say, Hey, I'm just going to be in your arm and it's just going to be a nice little spot here. No, like you said, the belly button is white, the chest area, you got your spots and, and sorry, I'm going to say the real term, like the nipple area and everything else. And then you got your groin area. Then, you know, it's all these places that can be very embarrassing, you know? And we don't talk about it because we like to pretend, you know, it doesn't happen there. You know, it, it's that. And it does. <laughs> right. But I think the more we talk about it, the more people understand that don't have vitiligo. And even our community members may feel comfortable right. sharing their experiences and saying, yes, I get it. I feel the same way. I have the same experience, you know, when not to go into details, but when you get into what's considered intimate situations where you're embarrassed. Yes. It happens to men and women because you don't look what you consider normal. And then people are like, some people are okay. Some people are not. And, you know, right. I've talked to other community members that said, you know, I'm okay with it, but the other person wasn't or right. vice versa. They were okay. I wasn't, you know, it's a part of the journey. It, it's a hard part of the journey, 
it's a scary part of the journey. Um, and then sometimes let's say the people who are single mm-hmm. and you lose somebody in your life, you know, like they're there, they may gone, they're gone. They don't want to date anymore. You often think it was my bit of life on a random way. Yep. But sometimes it is honestly, it's not everyone can handle right. being with somebody with vitiligo. Yes. And sometimes <laughs> it's us because we can't handle it. And we drive people away because we are insecure and angry. And, yeah, yeah, all these things. I, I think I drove my husband crazy. He was more accepting of it, but because I was so insecure about it, I, it really, in the beginning, bothered him just right. because I was so bothered. But, you know, like I said, I was very fortunate that he was with me for so many years prior. There was no judgment on his end, but I would hate to be in the dating world having to start over and have those insecurities of, are they going to accept me? Are they going to be okay with me? You know, because I, you know, there were times I hate to say it, but I kind of felt like a freak, you know, looking right, kind of how I judge myself. So how are other people looking at me? And I think it would be very challenging to have to go into the dating world because it's hard enough for a normal person who looks normal mm-hmm. to have to date and restart over. But now you've got this tacked on top of it. Right. This other, you know, this other wall that other people don't have to deal with. And you're right, because it's like you have to have self-love and self-acceptance. But can the other person? Right. So now not only are they going to have to accept me for who I am, including all my other flaws, because everybody has normal flaws. Right. But absolutely. This physical flaw that, A, not only is it not going to change and get better, but you have to be accepting that it may get worse as we right. grow older. Right. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I have that question at school. Um, one of, the kids ask me all the time about my vitiligo. And. You know, I, I tell them, yes, this is my skin. Will it get better? Will it get worse? I said, I don't know. I said, vitiligo is unique in itself. Okay. It can, I can repigment tomorrow, meaning I get my color back tomorrow. It could be gone the next day, next week, next year. I don't know what it's going to do. I said, um, we were talking because I have a comic book club at the school. I said, it's kind of like the character Venom. He, you know, it's like a symbiote and he, you know, yeah. takes over Spider-Man's body. I said, Vitiligo moves. Yes. I don't care what anybody says. It yep. moves when it wants to. I can look. There's a spot. Mm-hmm. It's gone. This one has grown. It's shifted over here. Now it's on my shoulder. Now it's over here. I'm like, come on, make up your mind. Exactly. Yeah. Um, stable and stop. <laughs> right. And it and it's in one end, I think from a scientific point of view, is fascinating. Right. Because we don't understand it. I'm like, wow, my my body's fighting itself. Yes. I'm like, okay, am I winning the battle? Am I losing the battle? I really don't know because my <laughs> my my immune system's working. Right. But now it's fighting my skin. And what is my skin doing to fight back? It, I don't yeah. know. But yeah. it's a fascinating way to look at it. Um, I often tell kids I'm a walking science experiment. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. I like and that. And I'm like, oh, I said, yes. I said, scientists want to know about it. We truly don't know. When did it start? How did it start? Right. Um, what will ever stop it? We don't know. I said, we're trying to figure it out. I said, but guess what? I'm I'm living. Mm-hmm. But I call it bioenhanced camouflage. And they're like, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. I said, yeah, it's my own personal camouflage that I have. But we all have it. You know, uh, if you're in our community, you have this camouflage. Um, but it doesn't make you blend in with everyone. It makes you stand out 
from the norm. Mm-hmm. And it's what you decide to do with it. Right. You know, you have to decide to live. That's why I call my show Living Life. You have to live your life. Yes, and you do. have to do it through love because you got to love yourself. Right. Absolutely. And that's, it sounds easy. But it's not. That's it, a it's not. Yeah. I struggle with that. <laughs> Even now, I'm in my mid-40s and I still struggle with self-love, self-acceptance, and right. accepting my flaws, not just my vitiligo, but all my flaws. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have our days, we look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I look nice today. And now I look again like, oh, I don't know, I got bags today. You know, all these, all these things we go through. And then um, you got, you're like, okay, got to go out in public. How do I want to go out in public? You know, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, now in my life, I don't think about vitiligo when I go out. Because right. I, I have a purpose. If I'm going out to a store, I'm going shopping, I'm getting in there, getting out and going home. Or if I'm going to hang out, that's when I think about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I know I know, I know I look a little different. Right. But let me act normal. <laughs> you know, let me right. just be myself. And then I have to figure out which self am I going to be? Am I going to be Mark with Vitiligo or just Mark Mark? Which one? Right. That's the choice you have to make. Yes, you do. Yeah. And you um just, you just gotta be Mark Mark. R- right, right. Because but that's, that's what your friends love you. They love you for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I want all the community members to understand and know if somebody's going to love you or like you, they're gonna do it because of who you are, not for what you look like. Exactly. It's not your skin. Absolutely. Because if you didn't have vitiligo, somebody's gonna find some reason, some way not yep. to like you, and that's somebody's right. gonna find a reason a way to love you. So either way. Yep. That's it. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So we kind of talked about back then to now. So let's go back to the implants and why you think that was the catalyst that started it all. Oh, so like I said, I it took me a while to connect the dots because when I look back on it now, knowing everything that I know, like I said, I had that one spot from elementary school, right. never, ever, ever changed. Um I put the first set of implants in in 2002, and my scars had turned that vitiligo white, but at that time had not known that that's what it was. And my surgeon even looked at me kind of like it was my fault, like I didn't take care of my sutures the way he instructed me to. And I promise you, when you put that kind of money and you want perfect you're going to take care of them. You're going to take care of right. Yes. And so I'm like, no, I did everything you told me to do. And he just looked puzzled and kind of dismissed me thinking, oh, yeah, whatever. She's telling me what I want to hear. Um, and then, like I said, fast forward a year later when I had my first child. And after the delivery of him is when I was diagnosed. And I had breast implants for a total of 16 years. I had the first set for 13. Um, and other than my vitiligo. I had no other problem. So I never okay. made the connection. I didn't realize right. I just because having the breast implants and having my first son was so close together. I just kind of said, okay, I had a child and this is what caused it. Right. Um, but then I had some complications from my first set. So once I was done having children three or uh, after the 13 year mark, I went and had everything fixed. And he replaced them and he said, you know, this time let's do the silicone instead of the saline. He said, because I feel like that's going to be better for you and create scar tissue to prevent them from shifting and causing the problems that the first one did. I said, okay, Okay. as soon as I put those in, 
it was 10 times worse. I had all kinds of health problems. My vitiligo just continued to spread even more and more and more. It didn't matter what I did. Um, but because of the other health problems that I had, I found this group on Facebook called um, Implant Breast Implant Illness and Healing um, by Nicole. And I was reading their stories and reading all these women that were having thyroid problems, autoimmune diseases, all kinds of problems. And pretty much it's like I had found my tribe. I knew right. that something was a problem and these breast implants were causing it. I still had not connected the dots to the vitiligo yet though. I just right. knew that the goiter and the thyroid and all the other things that I was experiencing. So I didn't want to believe that it was that because, and I think about how much money I had put into them and having to tell my husband, I think I need to get them out. Right. I just, it was really hard for me to accept that that could have been the problem, but I kept that second set for three years and I was sick and miserable and I was gaining a ton of weight. I mean, I went from 105 pounds to 130 wow. in a year with no change and I was inflamed and every, it was everything about me was not me. So as soon as I got them out, it was in October of 2018, I got them out and I immediately felt better. Like the inflammation was leaving my body. Everything was starting to stabilize. And it was the next summer after I was out in the sun and I looked at my hands and I saw some red spots for the first time. Now for 16 years, I kept losing pigment no matter what wow. I did. Um, and I looked at my husband and I said, I think I might be crazy, but I don't remember those brown spots being there. Right. So we'll take a picture and compare. And so I took just a couple pictures. I really didn't even think twice about it. The next summer I was outside a lot. Um, that was the summer of 2020 when COVID hit. Right. So I spent a ton of time outside because I was furloughed from work and walking a lot on the trails. And at the end of that summer is when I looked down and it was extremely obvious that I had repigmentation in my right hand, especially wow. the spot on my chest had started to repigment my face because I was starting to lose some around my eyebrows and around my okay. mouth. Right. That completely reversed. Wow. But all those are several areas were turning around. Um, unfortunately, my feet were covered with shoes, not really seeing much difference there right. and other right. that are not getting the exposure. So I had that epiphany. I had that aha moment of, oh my God, when I think back on it, I remember going to my six week post-op that very first time in my twenties and my scars, but that was the first time I had surgery. So I didn't realize that wasn't normal to look right. like that. Um, and that's when I, I had that realization of, oh my God, I put these foreign objects in my body and it stirred up my autoimmune disease. Right, right. Absolutely. Dormant for all my life until I put these in. And as soon as I put them in, it started spreading no matter what I did. Not only did it spread on its own, but I was one that trauma was a problem. So if I cut myself, if I burn myself, it was turning white. And so right. then you're fearful throughout your life of every time you get a cut or anything, because it's like, oh, my Lord, now this is going to start turning white, too. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned a surgeon. Obviously, he's never really had any experience with people with vitiligo, because mm -hmm. if he didn't recognize it, he's never seen vitiligo in that form of okay. fashion. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of times we assume because somebody works in the medical field, they know. Right. They don't always know. Right. They don't know. And, and something you said about getting a cut. Um, I work with, you know, students and um, that's how I am. If I get a scratch or a cut, mm -hmm. it's vitiligo. Yep. And I, I showed it to one of the students. He cut me and I'm like, hey, come and look at the spot. You just gave me some more vitiligo. <laughs> and he was looking like, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, it's okay. But I'm just like, you know, 
you did that. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. Right. Next week, it's going to be stark white. <laughs> right, and that's how it was. It, it was so funny because I watched it. I'm like, it's red where the scratch was. It was a scratch scratch where he drew blood. Right. And I watched it, and now it is, and you might be able to see it on the camera right there. That's the vitiligo scratch. Yep, I see it. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, man, stop. Yep. <laughs> but that's how it is with our bodies, you know. Yep. Sometimes I think about, oh, if I get bruised, if I bump into something, will that become a bit of like a spot? No, because I, I was fearful of that. In fact, I remember this one time I had cooked waffles for the boys, and me being impatient, I wanted to hurry and clean my kitchen and put the waffle maker away. Well, it was still crazy hot, and I didn't realize it. And I had this huge burn on my forearm, and it right. same thing. It started, and that whole burn, it was a big, big burn turned stark white on my forearm and I was like dang on it so then I was mad at myself and then I was mad at the kids because you wanted waffles right <laughs> had I not made waffles for you I would have not <laughs> but, you know. but we think about these things yeah yeah um, I I used to teach step teams um all from college I stepped myself and after college and I started thinking like at at the age I have now I'm like wait a minute was that the reason why it started spreading from all the stomping and clapping and the impact from that. And, you know, you think about everything. Then I'm thinking, wait a minute, I, I fell this one time. Was it that? You know, you start to think, oh, I cut myself one time at work. Was that start? I don't know. Yeah. But it is hereditary in my family. My mother has vitiligo, okay. um, but it's only on her legs. That's it. Okay. No else. My niece hasn't. Um, my sister-in-law said my nephew, but he won't, he won't show anybody his back. Okay. She said it's on his back. So for my family, I think it just runs in my family. And one of the questions my son received, he came to visit, um, he was at my school and the kids said to him, well, do you think you'll get vitiligo? He said, well, my dad has it. There's a chance I might get it. He said, but is it doesn't change who I am. Good for I'm, him. I'm like, yes. I mean, sure already. I love right. that. Because I'm thinking, I wish I had that support when I was younger, yeah, <laughs> you know, because exactly. um, I, I think we're in a different place now with right. support. And, um, you know, I think back when I started, I didn't know about support communities, support groups and support anything. For one, social media wasn't as big as it is now. Yes. You I know. think there's so much more acceptance across the board yes. in today's time, which is helpful because, you know, I remember especially becoming a mom, having two boys. That was a fear of mine. I'm like, please, God, don't let either of my kids get this. I don't want them to have to have the same struggles, the same right. insecurities that I've had to face. And my oldest one, he is just like my husband. So I don't think I got to worry about with him. But my second one is very, very much like me. And he's got my skin coloring. He tans up beautifully in the summer. And he's 12, and I just keep looking at him thinking, I hope that as he gets older, because, you know, I was in my early 20s before mine really came through, and I just hope that it does not. But like you said, at least now there's so much social media and support groups right. that I think that they've got to, you know, they don't care. I don't think they're going to care. I think they're in a more self-accepting mode absolutely. than what the generation you and I grew up with. Right. Absolutely. They, they are different. Um, we have several parents with vitiligo i just met one the other day our school went skating and the parents stopped me she said hey mr braxton i just want to let you know i have vitiligo also um and i happen to look like you do you know <laughs> and um, i shared with her about the communities you know the you know local national the global communities because she said she didn't know there was anything out there she didn't know about support 
Um, how did you come across the North Carolina group? Katrina. Um, so whenever I had joined the implant group mm -hmm. on Facebook, there was another girl who was part of that group. And I think she, I want to say she was in Texas, but she was part of the Vita Liger group. She also okay. had Vita Ligo. And so she had connected me. She's like, hey, can I share your contact? I have Vita Ligo as well. And there is a support group in your area. I said, sure, why not? And I honestly didn't think much about it. And then uh, Katrina reached out to me. She called me and we had a long conversation one night. And so here was this woman who I had never even seen, never met. And she was so enduring and so kind. And she literally just had a conversation with me on the phone. And she said, hey, we have a support group and we have different events. Is it okay if I stay in touch with you and send this information out to you? And I was like, absolutely. And she has been a champ. I will say ever since yes. I've met her, she has sent me every event information, any type of uh, fundraisers, things like that. She has been amazing and just, I think, a great pillar for our community, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I ran from Katrina for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> I would go to events and um, her and our, her uh, nephew would find me. I'm thinking <laughs> thousands of people and you see me in the crowd. I'm not even wearing shorts. I'm like, how do you spot somebody's hands walking in the crowd of people? And the nephew would show up like, hey, you know, you have Vitiligo and we have a Vitiligo support community and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, thank you. Take the card, put it away. Next time, the next year, here he goes again. Hey, we have, a, I know I had your card, but I'll take another one. I had like three cards. And then finally, I decided to join the community and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, oh, yeah, just to find, I feel like your family, people that really understand what you're going through. There's no judgment because um, we're still learning from each other um, about our journeys and how, although similar, they're different. You right. know, what makes us similar is the vitiligo, but what makes us different is our journey and how we process, how we get through it. Um, and the event... I think the first thing I went to was a community event at Southeast Raleigh. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, all these people at Vitiligo, like, where did they come from? And then we had the dinner. That's how I met everybody else. And I think I spoke up for the first time then. Uh -huh. um, but I was still like, wow, there's more people out here. Because in my average mm -hmm. everyday journey, I don't see many people. We have a little girl at school that has Vitiligo. But once I go out in public, I don't see many of us. We're right. there, but I don't see us, you know. It's so funny you say that because um, I left private practice after 20 years. And so now I'm a dental hygiene instructor over at a, a local college. And this semester, or actually last semester, but this year, this group of students that I'm working with, I had this one student and she was working with her instruments on her typodont. And she called me over and she says, Miss Quinn. I said, yeah. She said, this is kind of personal and I hope it doesn't bother you. She said, but do you have Vita Ligo? I said, I do. She goes, I knew it. She goes, when you were lecturing the other day, she goes, I could see it on your hands. She goes, and I knew it. She goes, I'm only saying this. She goes, because I have Vita Ligo too. Right. It is. And she is, you know, she is young. She's early twenties and she's yeah. beautiful. She looks like a porcelain doll. And she was telling me about her insecurities and this, that, and other. And I right. looked at her, I said, honey, I said, you're gorgeous. I said, and what little bit I've got to work with you, I said, your personality seems just as beautiful as what your outside is. I said, learn from my mistakes. I said, nobody sees it. I said, only you were seeing it. 
Right. I said, nobody else is seeing it. I said, they're seeing you as a whole. Absolutely. I said, and you need to stop hiding behind it. She's like, well, I'm so insecure. I cover up makeup. She goes, I'm getting married in December. She goes, and my fiance tells me all the time that no, nobody's seeing this. Only you are harping about this. Yeah. And I said, he's right. I said, you know what? I said, we have a support group here in Raleigh. I said, if you're ever interested, I said, I can give you the contact information. Um, so it, it is interesting that you yeah. do find students that you teach and this that and the other along the way, like small people that are part of the group. Absolutely. And and that big thing that you said, that confidence and how you see yourself, you know, I, I when I give my presentations to the students, I tell them, I said, you know, when I walk in a room and I ask them, what is the first thing you see? It's, you're trying to be cool. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and and then it's funny, the things they see, I'm not seeing. And I'm trying yes. to get them to notice my vitiligo and I'm talking with my hands and they still don't see it. And finally, somebody will say, when I, when I stop, they say, oh, right. you have vitiligo. I said, yes. But it lets me know that they don't see that first. They right. see how you carry yourself, how you interact with other people, how you treat mm -hmm. people. Then maybe they'll see it later. Or it might even might not even become a part of the conversation unless you bring it up. Right. You know, and that's where I'm at in my headspace. I'm like, I only bring it up if somebody asks. Right. You know, and then I hope you're ready for the answer because yeah, I'm gonna give you a science lesson. Let's talk. Um, but I couldn't <laughs> do that before. You know, before yeah. it was kind of like, oh, yeah, but like, oh, I, miss, I was insecure. Yeah, you know, no. Uh, I have fun with it. That's one thing I try to encourage our community to. When you have this condition and you get comfortable enough, learn to laugh at some of these things. Yes. Yes, there are some hurtful things being said. Sometimes the stares bother you, but learn how to laugh too with people because they see a different part of you. Yes. Um, so, like somebody mentions my skin. Yeah, I tell them sometimes I'm black and white. They're like, oh, wow. <laughs> I say, if you look closely, I have a little bit of red in there too. And they're like, you do. And I'm like, yeah, it's just my skin. <laughs> I did the same thing. I was joking around one night and something came up and I'm like, I'm not asking for much. I'm like, I am four different colors. I'm like, I just want yes. to right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, glad you said that. Yes. Four different <laughs> colors, three, whatever. That's how bit of LIGO is. You can have multiple, multi-layer colors yep. and people don't get it, but I'm like, yes. <laughs> I just want to be one color. That's it. But if not, okay, I'm a pack of crayons. Okay, good. Here we go. <laughs> But you have to learn to laugh because um, if you dwell on what's happening to your skin, you'll just, you, you miss out on it can life. break you down. Yeah. It, yeah. You can, because it's too easy to want to hide and stop doing right. the things you love and enjoy because you're starting to feel self-conscious right. that you don't want to live your life. And I had to break out of that and be like, you know what? It is what it is. And I'm not perfect. It's okay. But I want to go paddleboard and I'm going out there. And if right. you want to stare at me, you're gonna have to stare. I don't really that's care. on you, right? But yeah. it took me a while, you know, it did take me a while. But I hope that everybody else who is struggling the way I used to struggle, I really hope that they embrace it and just Absolutely. say, you know what, it does not define who I am, and right. it's not gonna stop me from living my life and putting my best foot forward. And you know what, people can love me for who I am, or I don't need them in my life anyway. If that's what they're judging, and that's what's gonna, you know, be the breaking straw, and clearly that they are not wanting to be with me for the right reason. Right, right. And um, one of the things I've done, and we're going to close out soon, but one of the things I've done for myself uh, that I like to do, I like to go to restaurants by myself. 
And sometimes they'll look at you like you're crazy. Like, how many? Like, how many do you see? Only one person walked in. One. And they're like, um, we, we, give me a booth. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can eat by myself. I'm okay. But that was for me to get through the anxiety of being around people. Right. Because I know people are going to stare. I know right. people are going to look. But guess what? You're going to look at me eating then. Right. That's on you. I mean, if I drop food and it falls on the floor, I got food on my mouth. Okay, fine. I'm still eating and I'm trying to normalize what I do as somebody living with vitiligo. I go to movies, I'll go out to eat, I hang out, you know, like I'm a person. And yes. that's what I really want people to see. We are people. That's right. We are just like you and we just want to live and not be judged. That's absolutely. It. Absolutely. So Bev, this has been a great discussion. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, yes. I'm going to give you the last final word that I'll wrap things up. Any words of encouragement you want to share with anyone in our community or everybody in our community? Because this goes out to the world. You know what? One thing I can say is you are perfect just the way you are. Exactly how you are. Don't wish to change yourself. Just love yourself. Love yourself for who you are, for your perfections, for your flaws. And just go out there and live your life to the fullest. Because tomorrow is not promised to anybody. And you don't want to have regret just because you were a little self-conscious. So that's my biggest takeaway that I personally learned that I would love to pass to other people. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. And for our listeners, you know, that is important. You know, you have to live your life. That's why yeah. I named this show what it is. You have to live your life. Nobody's is gonna, nobody else is going to live it for you. You have right. to live it. Vitiligo can stop you if you allow it to. But no, yep. take vitiligo on the journey. If you want to go to Disney World, get on that plane, fly with your vitiligo, go exactly. see Mickey, hang out, give him a high five, whatever you're going to do. You know, have fun. Yes, enjoy life. But I'm bringing this show to an end. This is a great conversation. Bev, thank you for being here. Greatly appreciate it. We, there was a quick turnaround. Hey, let's talk. Let's go ahead and talk. I'm not going to wait. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And for our listeners, once again, thank you for tuning in to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, remember, always to love somebody, whether it's your family member, your friend, your colleague, co-worker, your enemies. But most of all, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. And remember, vitiligo is not contagious. Love is. Y'all take care. Thank you for listening to Living Life and Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Bit Friends Podcast can be listened to on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on Facebook. Once again, Bit Friends Podcasts are sponsored by My Vitiligo Team. <laughs>